you know, I have solar panels and an electric car and have done what I need to with insulating the house. There's real joy in driving around on the road and just thinking to yourself, I'm not going to be stopping at gas stations. I'm not going to need to use gasoline. And seeing the panels on the roof is also exhilarating. There is a sense of freedom there and self-reliance and, and resilience that's just a part of it. And there is more convenience and you save money and it's all the other things as well. But your life, I think your life is better. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. Sandy's first conversation got a lot of extra listens because, drumroll please, Leonardo DiCaprio's foundation tweeted about it, so we're getting a lot more attention, especially Sandy. Please watch the video, if you haven't watched it from the first one, of the new face of clean energy that Sandy and his nonprofit made. And we talk about the origin of the video. It's a new way of looking at solar. It's about freedom, independence, creating jobs. The guy in the video is a veteran, and the guy playing him is a veteran. And more important than the result of the video is something that you get in this podcast, which is the view and the vision that drove the creating of the video that came from Sandy. And that's what you get to hear, is what got that started in the first place. Then we go on to talk about more expert insider views on clean energy, solar, wind, wave energy, because Sandy's right in the middle of it. He's at the forefront of it. It's a view that you're just not going to get any other places. And of course, there's also Sandy's personal challenge of not eating beef. So we'll get to hear how that goes. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Josh Spodak. I'm here with Sandy Reisky. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Josh. Thanks. So when last we spoke, we were about to talk about the video, which I hope that people who are listening, I hope that they've watched it. If they haven't, I don't know if they should watch it right now or watch it afterward. Uh, and also you took on a personal challenge. And I'm really curious about both. Do you have a, do you have a preference for what you want to talk about first? I don't. I'm, I'm, I follow your lead. So let's go with, hmm, I, I've been struggling with this one. Let's go with the video because I've known about that longer. And that's where we left off. So when we met before, I think I mentioned this last time, or when we met when I was in person uh, down in Charlottesville, we were both asking each other, is anyone doing this? And no one is. How did you come to do what you're doing? How did you come to say, what I see in the video is, what are the values going forward? What, are, what motivates people? What does this tap into? And it's not doom and gloom. And it's not, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know the science, but it's not like, here's all the science. It's, I'm a veteran. I'm someone who cares about my community. And how did you come up with it? How did, where did it come from? You know, it was uh, on a Sunday morning uh, and I just sort of wrote the script four years ago. And it was after um, just a lot of thought around this idea that I've, you know, I've been in the generating side trying to, uh, you know, add clean energy to the grid for so long and, and see on the consumer side, there's these great opportunities now to actually act on 
your your energy awareness or your your willingness to um, lower your emissions. Uh, a desire to lower your emissions now it can be satisfied with you know new products like LED lights or uh, solar panels or or electric cars. And and what struck me then and still continues to amaze me is that people have the opportunity to learn about these products, buy them, implement them in their lives, and they're going to see that it's you're you're saving money and you really the the quality of of the ride in a an electric car is you know as good or better than than a conventional car and um, solar panels just sit on your roof they they really once they're up there you don't you think about them again really even then you could have written a script that said what you just said which is factually correct but not particularly motivating and you know I, leadership in the environment to me the leadership was missing but you have you didn't just say what you just said. You you characterized it with someone. I mean, and no one else is doing it. For you just to say, I just wrote it. I feel like there's a background, a perspective that you've that came over time or somehow. That's right, and that's a great question. That's very fair. And so I think <laughs> what I gave you was the the thesis, the things I saw, and then the problem became how do we communicate this to people in a way that they're going to not just reject it out of hand. Uh, I think if you if you Sometimes if you talk about climate, some people are just going to turn off. They're not going to listen. So I, I really wanted to use a speaker. And in this case, it's a, a guy, you know, who was in the armed forces. He had, he had served in the Gulf War. And that's authentic. He, he really, when we, you know, were interviewing people, uh, auditioning them, that's the only type of people we auditioned. So the, the messenger was really important. And then the way the message was delivered also, uh, I think, uh, was something that I paid a lot of attention to that, that, you know, he had the solar panels on his roof. He, you know, he was saving money. He's producing more than he uses the electric cars. He's saving money there and he's it's more convenient. He doesn't go to gas stations anymore. So a lot of the, I was trying to hit the buttons of, you know, you're going to save money. It's going to be convenient. Here's an authentic person speaking to you about how his life uh, has has changed since he's gotten back from the Gulf War, and then the surprise in it is that it turns out he's actually working in the business, and and that introduces the themes of you know that, that solar is a job creator, and you know that he he makes the point then about resilience and and freedom and independence that that you get when when you generate your own electricity. So it was it was really exciting to film it. It was really extraordinary. Uh, to be, you know, on set for, we did it for, I think it was a two day shoot. Uh, it was, it was really neat. So the guy who played the role was really playing himself. Yes. And when you wrote the script, were you drawing on people in your life or was it an amalgam of just people you knew of? It was, I, I had read some research around, uh, the types of people that people trust for messaging and, uh, really that, that helped write it. I thought that of all people, uh, somebody from the armed services who had, who had served would be a, a very credible spokesman to talk about energy. If you're talking about your everyday guy, that struck me as a, a really strong messenger. And the big question that I keep coming up with is why aren't more people doing it? I, that's, I don't know if you can answer that because you're not the other people. <laughs> that's right. Maybe it's just the time has come and we've passed some sort of uh, milestone. Any, any thoughts on your part of why isn't there more of this? Well, 
you know, I started uh, Generation 180 about coming up on two years now. And I've talked to a lot of nonprofits about the type of work they do. And a lot of them, when they, when they come to the topic of changing people's minds uh, and changing behavior, they tend to land on the side of, we need to get people to be politically active. We need them to vote. Uh, we need to engage them to, to basically bring the right people into office. And they're scared of what it takes to actually change behavior. <laughs> like what, what we're trying to do and, and the reason we believe it'll work is we think that, that something has changed. You know, the availability of real products for people that, that they're going to be buying anyway. And, and people will be confronted by the energy awareness once they put solar on their roof. You know, they'll think more about the energy in their house and that type of thing. So on the one hand, I think there's a conventional wisdom uh, among the biggest funders of, of nonprofits. So these are the big foundations that behavior change is potentially a bad investment and it's better just to try and get people to vote and then we'll change regulations and then, you know, businesses will follow and, and that type of thing. Um, and this is a very broad statement. It's, I don't know if it's the answer, but it is a pretty big risk. You're making a pretty big investment to, to film things like this. So I think those, those folks maybe just have had other priorities until now. Well, everyone who's listening to this, watch it and then send it to your friends and let it go. Let's get this to go viral. I mean, it, it reads like a Super Bowl spot and hopefully it will become one. And yeah, I'm also trying to think of, of, did you make it with the goal or did you make it like this has to be said and I want to see what happens when it happens? I, I did. My goal is that one day it would be a Super Bowl ad uh, and that's a pretty big budget item. I'm not sure if we crowdsource something like that uh, or if another foundation, you know, sees it and says, yeah, that's, that's perfect for the Super Bowl. But that's why it's only, you know, it's just under a minute and it's, uh, you know, intended to be for a very broad audience. Yes. Yeah. See, I think people, I think the route is meeting someone at a network and getting it's like a PS, a public service announcement somehow. Mm -hmm. And that way it doesn't, you know, cause I think it's a message that, well, I guess it could be political from some people's perspective, but to me, it's like it, I buy into it and it certainly is, I find it very, very compelling. And as I keep calling it the future of, what do I call it? The future of, of leadership in the environment is leading, going to where people are, not telling them what to do. Mm -hmm. All right. So I, I've been kind of asking, I was really curious about it just because as you've heard, it's, I, I just find it like new and effective and not what I see otherwise. I can get why people want to go for more political activity, but to me, trying to pass a law without popular support, that's authoritarian, and I don't see it happening. Whereas, you know, one of my big goals in this podcast is to make it so the politi yeah, politicians, we keep calling them leaders, but they're followers in many regards, especially in this area. They're following the money. They're following, they're doing anything but leading. I mean, there are some who are trying, but it, not getting very far. And I, I want to make it easy for them to make it to you know, I want a not carbon tax, but a, you know, pollution tax or externality tax. I want that to pass easily because the politicians like, look, all the people, that's what they want right now. That's not what they're doing. They're not behaving consistently with that. But I think, I mean, generation 180 is definitely, that's, we're moving in that direction. It's getting people active and yeah, I'm not going to stop people from, you know, 350.org is doing some really great stuff. I, I would like what they're doing, but I mean, how can we get the oil companies to change? How about we stop buying as much oil and stop burning as much oil? That'll get them to change. Well, all of these things together. I, I don't want to say like one thing only. Sorry, now I'm, I've been on my uh, soapbox for a second there. Well, I am with you. 
I, I, I think you're exactly right. It is the markets that's, that are going to lead. And that's what's so encouraging. That's why we think the energy aware movement has already started. You know? And it's, it starts with, you know, in the, in the industry, uh, the energy industry, where you're talking about real coal plants and, and nuclear hydro, natural gas and wind and solar, we, wind and solar have been just uh, crushing it. They've been adding so much capacity over the past 10 years. Uh, about 90% of the capacity net has come from that. And so that trend, together with these new products that consumers, it's kind of like now it's it's the turn, it's our turn as consumers to vote with our wallet. And we have these, essentially, you know, the same formula, which is better products that, that are more convenient, they save you money. And that's solar and electric cars, LED lights, um, you know, electric chainsaws. <laughs> Uh, but but what we have is this opportunity for local energy. We can produce our own energy, and we can get we can drive on solar with an electric car. Uh, and of course, you're still connected to the grid. You know, you're still using energy at night. But net net, you can produce more than you use, and that's just really a new development. And and it's a market development. And that's where I think people can can see that we're sort of at this tipping point. So speaking of the market and Domestic. I mean, with this country has a huge coastline. We have lots of sun. We have lots of wind. I don't know the numbers. And you, maybe you know better than I do. I'm not sure. But I feel like we're not hitting the ball out of the park like we could. I feel like maybe politically we got our hands tied behind our back that we, we don't have the uh, government support. Or I feel like America could be leading the world or at least taking more of a role in solar technology and wind technology and wave technology and these things. Are we reaching our potential? I would say we're not moving as fast as uh, China or some some other countries, uh, but we are moving pretty darn fast. And and I think you know one of the things that that's the real hallmark of of a market taking off is is when uh, the last people who are have been digging in the heels when they when they turn around and embrace it. And I, you know, it's a huge market. It's like a super tanker. And it take, it's going to take us a long time to turn the whole energy system, but we are definitely seeing more utilities uh, in the market looking for, you know, large-scale wind projects and, and more cities and, and, and municipalities, you know, integrating solar on a, on a sort of a community scale. Because so many people live in apartments, they're not going to have their own panels, but you can have these communities-type in- installations. So the growth rates are literally exponential. So I think it's the technologies keep getting more compelling, they're more economic, they, they cost less and they produce more. And and so I'm optimistic about where we're headed. We're not the, the fastest in the world. I mean, China installs literally twice as much solar and wind uh, as the United States does. In fact, I think they account for about half of the global um, totals for, for both. They are on a tear. And it's because the pollution is so bad there. And they have a, a type of government that it's less market sensitive. You know, they are, when they make a decision, it, you know, it is autocratic or, or it's an edict. It has to be followed. So back here at home, do, you're optimistic and hearing you, I, and I presume you're, you're in the business more than I am. So I take it, you know what you're talking about. And I asked you this before. So the consumer at home, should they not try as hard or should they try even harder or is should they just be rest comfortable doing what they're doing because the market will take care of things. And when they have to change, they'll change. That's a great question. So 
we have two types of energy that we use. It's direct energy, uh, which would be the gasoline we put in our car or the power that comes into our house. And then indirect, which is, you know, the products we buy and air travel, travel and other services. And so the, one of the biggest impacts uh, that, that a, person, a person who flies a lot, if they can find a way to fly less through conference calls or video calls or that type of thing, you know, one flight around the country back and forth uh, round trip is equal to about a year's worth of driving. So flying is, is really carbon intensive. But I think just for me, I'd be happy if people were just energy aware. They, they were more conscious of turning off the light when they leave a room. I feel like it's just a matter of time before they're going to be buying electric cars or uh, solar panels. I feel like that's coming. and that, That's part of what's going to help them be energy aware. Uh, and then, you know, they're going to want to insulate their house or, or use more efficient bulbs because they're going to be uh, a producer. Um, so in Sandy's world, which is very naive perhaps, but the biggest challenge is just to get people to see energy, like to see it differently, but to see it at all, to realize that as a nation, we are moving in the right direction. And it's as a consumer, there's a, a huge role that, that every individual can play. And the numbers are staggering. You can quickly get to well over half of the carbon emissions are directly attributable to individual behavior with you know, cars and, and powering our houses. So it's, it's an area that's ripe for, for change. And it just, people just need to think of energy differently to, to be able to see that. And just as a, for instance, you know, we, we've done the math, we've looked at the studies, you know, you can save close to $4,000 a year if you're a typical homeowner and you add solar and get an electric car. Gasoline is twice as expensive as, as electricity. So getting around using electrons is a, is a great way to do it. And the maintenance costs are very low. Just like you don't, you know, you never have to fix your electric drill, right? That thing just works all the time. Just pull the trigger and zzz, and And that's kind of the way the these electric cars are. All right, I'm going to propose uh, an amendment or an addendum to energy awareness, to energy action following the awareness in that usually I say, because if you don't act, it won't make a difference. But I'm, more in particular, I will speak from my experience and what's driving me to do this podcast is that when I've made those changes, it makes my life better. You know, I mean, if, if someone's out there and they really prefer pollution, then it won't be living by their values. But if they like clean air, clean water, clean land, then it's living by your values. And it's really makes you feel good. And it's not just feel good from woo woo. Like I'm just going to like tell myself I feel good. It's because you're living consistently with what you value, or at least I, I can't speak for other people, but for me, it's living by my values. Like I'm not flying. It's been uh, later this month will be two years that I'm not flying. And wow. That's great. The person whose post I just, the conversation I just put up was Francis Hesselbein who I specifically spent more time with because I wasn't traveling and she's in New York and I wanted to meet someone. She's been around a lot longer than I have. I, I can't talk about her age, but she, cause she's, she gets mad at me if I do that, but she's like, I talked about what life was like during world war II and what life was like. Well, I didn't talk to her about this on air, but like growing up with during the depression and growing up during the um, prohibition. Sorry if this is, sounds a little off topic, but one of the big reasons people travel is to, is to see other cultures and she's from as much a different culture as anyone else in the world because it's a diff it was a different world in, in a different time. And I got to learn and grow and there's no airplane. But it's just – like I talk to people who go to Bangkok and they're like, 
yeah, I was talking to this person I know from Facebook. I'm like, you're just in a different place, but you didn't actually get a cultural experience. It, it's like a Facebook cultural experience, which is to say not a cultural experience. <laughs> and, I mean, people get what they want from travel, but I found that when you choose to do things by your values, you get, you, you improve your life. So sorry, soapbox again. I hope the listeners aren't like, Josh is at, at it again. You know, though, I'll just encourage you and I'll, I'll say that, uh, you know, I have solar panels and, and an electric car and have done what I need to with insulating the house and this type of thing. And uh, there's real joy in driving around on the road and, and just thinking to yourself, I'm, I'm not going to be stopping at gas stations. I'm not going to need to use gasoline. I, you know, and, and seeing the panels on the roof is also just really exhilarating. There is a sense of uh, freedom there. Uh, and self-reliance yeah. and, and resilience that's just, I think, a part of it. And and there is more convenience and you save money and it's all the other things as well. But your life, I think your life is better with these things. And people look at it and they say, or people, I think a lot of people out there, they think environment and they feel guilt or they feel complacency and they don't want to go near those emotions. So they keep away from it. Yeah. Whereas, And yes, you will, as you first become conscious of it, you will feel a bit of those things. But then you do something about it and then it goes away and gets replaced by exactly what you talked about, joy and resilience and things like that. And it's kind of like, I don't know, when you first start exercising, yeah, you're going to be sore the next day and then you're going to be more fit. And it's, you know, depending on what you like in life, it's going to be better. And then you don't feel guilty. You feel, and I don't think people should feel guilty for systems that were put in place before they were born. That's right. And isn't it the case that our whole lifestyle and our whole world is built on fossil fuels and it's been a great thing for humanity? It's just the trick is to recognize that now we have a better way and we should move to it as quickly as we can. And, and the, the little, uh, you know, back to that, that the fact is we're in almost a type of battle here. It's a race for time. There's real urgency and we need everybody to participate. And without sounding the alarm too strongly there, I, I think it is it is a part of the whole equation. There's, as much as it makes our lives better, there is a, something we need to do here that is lining up with our values. And so when I leave the house or when, I'm, when, when my son leaves the house and he leaves his, his lights on in his room and I, and I walk around and I'm switching off light switches all over the place and I say to myself, this is how we win. And it's, it's just like a reinforcement that, that we can win. It's in our control. We, we're going to be more efficient. We're going to turn off lights when we leave a room. We're going to implement all these great new products. And, and this is a wave that's sort of going through society. And, and this is how we win. And I, I think helping people see that there's a, like there's a hill to climb. There's, a, there's a, a flag we have to plant. And we have to rally around that flag and, and make this happen. That's what the energy aware movement is about. Being energy aware is part of the winning army. This is, this is how we're going to win. It's, it's, the only, it's the only path. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable. Join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. Yeah, and if nature's setting a deadline in the forms of rising sea levels and plastic pollution and fish being overfished and so forth, when people love what they do, deadlines aren't onerous. They motivate you. 
So I really like that. I mean, look, I don't like that we're in the situation we are, but I think it gives us an opportunity. And I think it, I like when someone leads me effectively, when I'm working on a project and they give me reason to do it and I really love it, I want a deadline. I want standards imposed on me because then I know the quality that I want to do it and, and I feel the motivation to do it. So I hope that's the case with a lot of people. If you're listening to me and you're not acting on stuff or you're acting on stuff a little bit and you have a sense that you could do more, I suggest doubling down and doing more. Also, in the case of Sandy, it leads to big, huge success. I mean, from the first episode, we heard about the amount of wind energy and solar energy and that wave energy that you produced and the size of the companies and so forth. And if you want, if you're into leadership, this is a global, global demand is usually a pretty good way to get, and it's not just global. Maybe you don't want to lead on a global scale, but maybe you just want to lead on a local scale. It's a sort of thing that this is where leadership opportunities are. Now I want to switch topics all of a sudden, but we talk about joy and talk about switching and doing and liking how things have gone. You've been changing your diet lately. <laughs> I have. Yeah. And I'm really curious how that's worked out. Do you mind sharing how it's worked out? I'd be happy to. So the the uh, challenge was uh, not to eat beef for for a month, and it's it's been a month, and it really um, was pretty easy. It, it just making the decision to do it was maybe the hardest part of it. There were times uh, where you know I was I was at a restaurant and everybody's you know ordering whatever things with beef and meat, and and I was you know taking the the vegetarian plates, but. I got to say, I found some restaurants that I didn't even know existed in Charlottesville that are, they're all these bowls. I'm sure you all have them all over in New York, but they're, they're like a rice rice bowl with salad on top of it. Or there's this restaurant called Citizen Bowl or, or Be Good and get salad wraps. And, and uh, there was just an abundance of variety and things I, I did not feel like I needed more food. I was, I was totally, you know, full and, and, and happy. I was missing nothing. So it worked out okay. So the, how about at home? Was it uh, an issue? I mean, did you miss meat? Did you? Well, you know, it was just beef. Uh, that's sort of the oh, highest carbon. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, you know, my, my wife uh, was very encouraging. My son, you know, had a hamburger in front of me and, and, and said, don't you want some of this? But <laughs> Uh-huh. So he was more seeing if he could get me to to break, uh, but uh, yeah. And what happened? Oh, I was fine. I, I just uh, he actually ate a burger and then ate half a burger and left the other half on his plate. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, it was tempting, but I was I was fine. And how did it feel? I mean, were you was it the joy that you described when you're driving down the road and not stopping for gas and you see uh, solar panels on other people's roofs, or was it uh, was it nothing and? Ju- I mean, because it could have been like, oh, no big deal. I'm curious. Yeah. You know, honestly, it, it didn't ring the bell as strong for me as just energy, you know, changes in energy. And that's probably because I'm in the field of energy. Uh, but I know I know it it has those impacts, right? You know, and, and carbon emission impacts. So I, I would say I, I felt good about it, but uh, it wasn't quite as tangible. Is it something you would have, if you knew earlier what would have happened, would you have done this earlier? Hmm. Yeah, there's a side of me, yes, that uh, finding those, you know, eating a plant-rich diet, I know in my mind is healthier for me. And and I think what I learned now is that it's also, you know, it's delicious. It's fine. It, you know, it works. And so learning that years earlier would have certainly been better for me. Uh, delicious is my, that's like becoming my catchword for all of this because my change started with my, my diet becoming more delicious. And so 
Were there any hurdles? I mean, you mentioned your son, you mentioned being out at restaurants, but did you face any big challenges? Were you, or not? I mean, if I'm really struggling to think of, you know, at, at one point I was outside of uh, Five Guys, which is a burger place, and I, I had not yet had dinner. And, and that's sort of a, that was tempting. That was tempting. But, um, you know, I was, I was about half an hour away from home and I knew that, uh, that dinner would be there. So I, I just, for, you know, avoided it. All right. So, yeah, this is, this is the two of the big, uh, there's like this big bifurcation of, of some people, the story is there is no story. It was, it, the challenge was a lot easier than I expected and there's not really much to it, to which I hope people at home say, ah, I should do my thing because there's a chance that it'll just be not a big deal. Right. And then others, it's like a big challenge. And the challenge is something that is rewarding. And it sounds like you're in the former camp. I think so. So a month, uh, that's like, I would categorize that as like a, a, of the whole scheme of one's life. It's not that big of a deal. It's a baby step. Are you, have you thought about continuing or do you, or is a month enough? I, I was wondering that now, would I, would I go further with this? And, and I think what would work for me, I think what I would be able to manage realistically is just continuing with like a plant rich diet that to me, that means uh, shifting to a place where most of my meals are, uh, are vegetarian. And I see that as eminently doable now. Uh, and, and so I would see beef as something that, you know, maybe once or twice a week, same with chicken and the rest could be, um, you know, could easily be vegetarian, all three meals. Uh, so that's, that, that's what I'm going to aim for. All right. I look forward to hearing about it. And now you're talking about what you're doing. I'm kind of, I'm curious, like, what does it connect with? I mean, is it making the world cleaner or is it energy awareness? I mean, what, when you're not eating, when you say you're in front of the five guys and you choose not to do it, that means you're choosing to do something. What do you, that's my read. And tell me if, I, if you see it differently, but you're choosing something over a pleasure that you know what it is. What are you choosing? What's the value that you're connecting with? If that makes sense. It does, and and to me, it's carbon emissions. I know that that uh, meat, generally animals that we feed uh, in order to to eat the animals, you know, that's a real uh, that's very very inefficient. And when when you're eating plants directly, it's healthier for you. And and so there's that. But for me, it's carbon emissions of uh, what's required to to raise all those animals. And it's it's actually the land as much as anything. Um, there's a awful lot of land that is being cleared uh, to satisfy people's um, desire for beef uh, around the world. More and more people who, who were almost always plant, uh, you know, eating are now, you know, as their incomes rise, uh, choosing to have more of a Western diet. And when you, when you really look at the math, it's, it becomes clear that that's unsustainable. And so I'm, I'm trying to cut back. So you know a fair amount about this. This wasn't just like a casual thing. I mean, you've known about it. Yes. It might not be a casual thing to actually make the choice and start doing, uh, acting and consistent with it. But that's not stuff, what you just said wasn't stuff that you came up with this week, right? You knew about all that before. That's right. And, you know, I, I learned it for the first time as, we, as I sort of got into Generation 180 and, and learning more about the, the choices we have as individuals. And there's this great book uh, called Drawdown that, that talks a lot about a whole host of things that can be done to, to lower our carbon emissions as a society globally. And um, diet is, is a big one. Oh, that's right. You, um, one of the listeners wrote in about your first interview and asked the 
uh, you said Drawdown, but what was the other book that you mentioned that got you started at the very beginning? Because there are multiple books with that title. I know. And do you know, I, I got your email with that inquiry and I went and looked on Amazon to try and find it. And now I'm in the process of looking through my various bookshelves to try and find it. I recall that it was something like, do what you love, love what you do. But I looked on Amazon and boy, there's a flood of books with very similar titles. Yeah. And I did not see the one that I read. I know it was published at least by, you know, I read it in the year 2000. So it was available at that point. Um, I don't know if it's still in print. And, and I'm determined, though, to find out. And maybe you can post it in the, uh, if, we, if we get there, you know, you can post it in the show notes. Okay, so listeners, you're, we're, we're on it. We'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so with the challenge, it sounds like you're, you're connected with diet, but also are you going to let this affect the rest of your life? Are you extrapolating from food and solar and, and, and electric car? Are there other areas that it's moving into? Is it, are you going to extrapolate? I feel like for all the things I know that are possible to do, the weak link with me is still diet because I'm still a meat eater, but I'm doing everything else. I travel very little uh, by plane um, and I, I try to, you know, on the consumption of goods and services generally, you know, on the one hand, we can all take heart that, you know, utility scale clean energy is coming and coming on strong and it's about 10% of the energy in this country now, uh, solar and wind. So you know, more and more companies are using clean energy. So I feel like I'm already addressing, you know, I've got solar panels and an electric car. Uh, I'm doing all the things that uh, I think I should be. Okay, cool. Just checking. And now I want to, I want to keep this short. So in between then and now, I'm going to bring up something that's worth talking about. Maybe we'll do another conversation later, but I went to a generation 180 meeting in New York city about organizing volunteers and I'll get a comment from you in a second, but I really want to say it was phenomenal because I consider myself someone who's actively doing a lot of stuff for environmental, uh, to, to make an effect on the environment and, and energy and so forth. And then I felt like this working with Generation 180, here's what I felt was there's a lot of things that I feel like I want to make a difference, but it's a lot of effort. And Generation 180 is providing the support in particular in putting solar on rooftops of schools. But I'm also thinking there's a lot of buildings in New York City that could put solar on top of. And I felt like I had not felt before, which was if I work with Generation 180, I can get a lot more done than if I don't. And so that's why I decided to volunteer for, for you guys, even though I felt like I'm already doing a bunch of stuff. And I, I wanted to share that with the world of I see you guys. There's lots of other things. But for me, it's if I work with you guys, I can get more done than I would otherwise. And you have a network of people who have successfully done something that I would love to get done. And so people listening, if Generation 180 does something where you are, get in touch with them. And I recommend working with them because you're going to you're gonna be able to get more done than you would otherwise. If they're not where you are, contact them and maybe you can start the thing there. And they've started many, many things. So it wouldn't be like you're starting from scratch. It would be like you're getting to franchise. You're going to get to do something that it's, you know, you can do it the hard way or you can do it the easy way. I recommend the easy way. And... <laughs> And the fun way, because, you know, the, everyone that I've worked with the Generation 180 cares about what they're doing and they, they want to get stuff done. And so I hope I don't sound like I'm plugging stuff too much. And I haven't actually done a lot yet. I just went to one meeting. But that's what I have to say about now having known you, having known people at the organization, actually going to where, where you guys are getting stuff done. Sorry if I sound like I'm gushing, but it's all, it's all um, what's the word, genuine. It, it is. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I, I'll pile on for a second, you know, the making schools solar is a direct 
you know, decarbonization effort. It's something you can do. And eventually those panels will be up there if you're persistent. But what it does that we like as well is it is it's advancing the idea of, of energy awareness and, and this sort of cultural shift. It's kind of like recycling where you can think of it as, you know, Generation 180 is trying to advance the idea that, that we need to treat energy the way we treat waste. You know, that it's, we need to be mindful. And, and so it's, a, it's just a cultural shift that happens uh, as these products are, are adopted. So I'm thrilled. Now, as, a, as, an, as an educator, I got to throw in one more. There's a video that I saw there that Tish showed that I'm not sure if this is on your site or not. I haven't looked it up, but it shows what it was like a high school kid and his sister, and they got solar on their school. And, you know, they didn't like install it themselves, but they got the ball rolling. And as an educator who is big into active experiential project-based learning, Yes. Where people work on projects that they care about and they produce something that the world cares about, that they care about, that the people in their lives care about. Not just some abstract, like, you know, I look, I love science. I'm totally into measuring, say, the mass of an electron. I think that's really cool. But putting solar on the rooftop, like that's nature that people, it directly affects people. And I don't know what the kid did after high school. I'm guessing he got into like a lot of really good schools because that's that's going to get you into college. That's going to get you or if you're in school and college, it's going to get you work. It's going to get you connected. So from an educational point of view, I think it's it's really solid stuff. You're going to be a leader in an area with global and national local demand. Yeah, it's it's community based. You know, it's it's acting locally too. I think people really appreciate being able to do something that they can see the results. <laughs> you know, and they elect the leaders to their school board and to their communities, and and you know, so there's accountability. Uh, and there's so much, so much good comes out of it. And I think it's a lot of fun. I mean, it, to see him walking around with these solar things that he was, he was the one who made it happen. I'm like, that's great. Most people, most people, they have to get a lot older before they get something on that scale done. And a lot of people <laughs> never get it done at all. Yeah. And think of all the schools and all the buildings that could have, that this could work with like opportunity. If you're listening to me now, you can get it done in your community. And then what's going to happen after that? Okay. So this is me gushing. So I always close with uh, any anything I didn't think to bring up that's worth bringing up. You know, I think we've we've covered a lot. I'm just so happy to to be a part of this, Josh. I think uh, what you're doing is uh, the right thing, influencing influencers, and and that's the way things change. So, well done. Great. Maybe the, you just said what I was going to. My next question, the last question is is um, any messages for the listeners? Get energy aware. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I'm thinking, how can I add to that? I can't add to that. Oh, wait, I have to say, get energy aware and then act. Yeah, Generation 180, we'll, we'll show you what that means and how to do it. Sandy, thank you very much. And I look forward to keeping in touch. If if there's other things, I, you know, I, I leave an open invitation that if if your challenge leads to something or if, you know, if this leads to something more and, and there's another conversation to be had, I'm happy to record it and bring it back to the audience again. Thanks, Josh. Well, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Energy awareness, more efficient products, reducing consumption. These are nice things, but I think the big thing, at least that I got, was it's yet another case of finding his challenge easier than expected. If you're waiting to start your challenge, I hope that you feel inspired because what I heard was he sounded happy, he was laughing. He was sharing his thing with family. They were making fun of him, but in a fun, playful way. And most of all, it was delicious. That was his word, not mine. But as listeners know, that's one of my favorite words because 
I think that changing your behavior to protect the environment is delicious. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.